This is The Playbook. Hey, hey. I want to welcome to the stage Brian Neal. He is the Super Bowl referee. They've seen him during the Rams Super Bowl. He is uh, an amazing speaker. He has a company. And the real reason I wanted on him here, because he's a person that understands illumination lessons and stories. He has a company called Blind Zebra. And I think it takes a lot of cojones to be an NFL Super Bowl <laughs> referee and start a company called Blind Zebra. Uh, Brian, welcome to Clubhouse. What's up, Dave? How are you, brother? I'm doing great. Where are you today? You're in Dallas? I'm in Dallas. We had uh, right. uh, dinner last night with Randy Garn and Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi. Cubans here. We got a panel today with Baritone, uh, which is translating my podcast, believe it or not, into 33 languages via AI. So I don't even have to learn that. My mom was wrong. I did not have to study <laughs> Spanish. I'm much better. AI uh, does that. But let's get into helping people because you're a guy. Yeah. So, you, you know, you're an NFL referee. You're also a sales uh, teacher, coach, yep. mentor, yep. and you decide to, you know, brand yourself. And, yeah. you know, you and I both, I never imagined five years ago, I even argued with Gary Vee about branding myself. I thought that was stupid. Yeah. Um, but now I think it's imperative, no matter who you are. I don't care if you're a plumber. If you're Terrence the plumber, I don't care if you brand yourself Terrence the plumber. You know, for you, you, you had it made. I mean, you had a great sales uh, gig and your yeah. NFL ref, Super Bowl ref. Now, yeah. you know, why is it so important for a guy like you to brand yourself? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny that you even brought Gary because that's where – thanks for having me on, by the way. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I went to see Gary. I spent a whole day with him and his team in New York uh, about four or five years ago. COVID screws up my timeline. I forget when it was, but it was four or five years ago. And uh, went to Hudson Yard, the office there, and – um, you know, he talks to each of us individually and, and he spent um, probably 90 minutes with us and with me, you know, for 20 minutes, all he talked about was you got to personal brand yourself. He said, it's been every dollar you've got in personal branding. And I was kind of like, you know, I think we're doing okay here. The NFL is a nice brand that, you know, I'm attached to. And most people know Brian Neal, but it was, it was really about turning it into something. What does it represent when people see um, the actual logo? And if, you know, people listening haven't or watching haven't figured out yet blind zebra i was trying to give a way to put my football story really important to me in to um into the brand and so i'm like what do people call referees well they call us blue ref um, you know zebras was a thing and then most of the adjectives that i wanted to describe us with i can't say in a personal brand you know <laughs> a hole and stuff like that so i'm like hey blind okay that's pretty good um and it's so crazy dave when people, and then my VP of marketing put the yellow, this was all black and white. Now that's a yellow accent for yellow flags. So everything's intentional on purpose. So people watching this personal branding has to be intentional on purpose. And it's got to connect to your personal story. Cause I've got a big long story that I talk about from the stage about my grandpa signing me up for little league football, about my relationship with my dad and what football meant to me. And that led me from that place to the Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl 56, um, which you were, uh, you know, right in the, second row of watching me uh, try not to screw the game up, but all of it is wrapped up in this. It's all wrapped up. The story comes through and you're right. Everybody, um, uh, you know, Bo Eason, storytelling coach, Bo Eason, I uh, went and spent a day with Bo in his, uh, in his living room to help me with my story. And he said, here's what's cool about your personal story. You're the only one of you ever has been, ever is, and ever will be. There will never be another, another David Meltzer. There'll never be another Brian Neal. And if you just speak from your personal story, you're different by default. 
You don't have to try to be different, think to be clever, nothing like that. Um, I just can't say enough. I can't give personal branding enough, uh, enough juice. So that's the drill. Yeah. I need your phone. Hey, say that's awesome, man. Sorry, wait. Uh, yeah, you got I'm it. Trying technical, te- technical <laughs> problems here. Jake, give me your phone so I can use your phone. Uh, oh, we're, we're working like six different platforms. And, Jake? Uh, I, I get it. Yeah. Anyway, so you know, to that measure, he- here's what happens to most people: they get excited about building it on the, the, their own brand. They buy into Gary. They buy into me. They buy into other people talking about you should invest yeah. every penny on the personal brand. And then they start investing in their personal brand and they're not Gary Vee. They're not Tony right. Robbins, right? They, they look at, you know, all I have is this many uh, speaking gigs or, you know, this many interviews or this many opportunities and I've spent all this money. Um, you know, one of the things I'm most proud of myself in building my brand was, you know, I put a budget together uh, with Gary, and, and I don't even have to say the amount, but it, it was a big investment in myself. And he asked yeah. me, what result do you want in the year one? And I said, I want two ambassadors. Yeah. And he said, you're going to spend all that money for two ambassadors. I said, yeah. He said, I'm not getting that, Dave. He said, well, how many followers do you want? I said, I don't care about followers. Right? Yeah. You know, followers will change platforms. They'll, they'll be there. But I want ambassadors. And those two ambassadors will tell everyone, hey, you need to be coached by David Meltzer. You need to be going to his speeches. You need his books for free, his exercises, his guides. You need to show up to his free training or clubhouse, whatever it is. And they need to get me two more people a year themselves. Yes. And just those two people getting me two people who can get me two people. When I would turn 70, because I started this when I was just turning 50, I'll have yeah. 2 million people getting me 2 million people. Uh, that's a significant brand for those that do. If you have 2 million ambassadors getting you 2 million ambassadors, I don't care viewers, followers, whatever, because I know how the message and the brand is resonating with the spectrum of people that are on the same spectrum of people that I'm on, my neighborhood. How have you been able to be so patient? Because you do have a lot of (laughs) stuff going on. And my biggest fear in even coaching you is like, shit, Brian's a Super Bowl referee he's investing all this money and he's not going to see like any big results you know probably until he's about 90 percent of the way to a result and that could be years so what do you say to those people you know that are making that investment but not seeing results yes and and you say that in in coaching me you're really good about this uh gary v says it uh he talks about patience all the time and the the, everyone wants the magic bullet, the pixie dust thing, the thing that's going to like, they think there's this propulsion up. There is no such thing. The magic bullet, in my opinion, the only magic bullet is consistency. That's the only bullet, whether it's weight loss, whether it's building an audience, whether it's growing a business, it's patience and, and, and then consistent behavior. That's all it is. Um, I got into the, I wrote down on a note card that I wanted to ref in the NFL when I was 19. I got the call to go into the NFL 27 years later. It took me 27 years to get into the NFL. And I had written down the same note card that I wanted to referee the Super Bowl at age 51. That took me 30, 34 years, 33 years to get to the Super Bowl. Um, And all along that journey, I wasn't worried about the outcome part. 
I was just worried about what was in front of me that day. We're in the middle of training camp right now, as you know. I don't even know what's – I actually am in my home city for like 20 minutes. So I can go to my kid's football game tonight. I'll go back to a preseason game. I'll drive tomorrow. 21 days of training camp. Spinning. That's all I cared about. And if you watch the players in the NFL, you know this. You, you know, a lot, you know, you were repped a lot of players back in the day. All those players and coaches care about is though they get six. Some of them starters get six reps in a practice, six practice reps. That's all they get to be a pro. And they take such good. So at, for the audience, your audience here, it's to me, it's all about just persistent, consistent behavior and just let the outcome be the outcome. And not everyone's going to grow to be a billion dollar business. And that's fine. Just be in your own space. Life's pretty good where you are, you know? Yeah, well, that's a real key. Last thing real quick. There's so yeah. many, you know, bullshitters. There's so many people that are standing in front of cars that they don't own, especially in <laughs> space, you know, and they're telling you uh, they can do this for you. And, you know, I've spent five years paying more dummy tax, vetting out people <laughs> that are just trustworthy that will test and go. And what I've learned is, number one, the biggest uh, thing beyond being consistent and persistent in the pursuit of my own potential, like you stated, is that I need to be a fast learner. You, yeah. you know, I, I need to be a fast learner because things are changing so fast that, uh, you know, I have a 25 no rule, which is, you know, truly uh, insulary to being a fast learner. It's that, okay, you received a no, if it was an open mind that gave you a no, right? Because you should be trained yeah. now to vet a closed mind and run away from it because it takes so much time, energy, emotion, value, and money to re-engineer a closed mind. Just when you get one, run away. But when you get a no from an open mind, you know, you got to get the lesson out of it because it's not them, it's you. You're not mm. articulating a quantitative value. You're not as good as you think you are. Your solution doesn't address what you think it addresses, or you can't communicate it effectively, whatever it may be. And so being a fast learner is so important. What are some of the bigger lessons that you've learned from experiencing people who maybe oversold you, back-end sold you, <laughs> you, manipulated and cheated you about yeah. how you could be a brand overnight, or I can get you a million followers if you do this raffle, you know, or, you know, hey, we'll put, you could be a doctor, you know, go, go to, you know, some ministry and for 1999, be a doctor <laughs> of metaphysics, put doctor, <laughs> you're, you're now Dr. Brian Neal. PhD of metaphysics. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I should look that up. I should start a university, shouldn't I? It's um, for, for us, it's a core, it's a core premise that I teach all of our sales clients, any business person I'm coaching. And I've thought about it the whole way through my whole referee journey. It all comes back to what is my pure intention? What is my pure intention? If I'm trying to get rich quick, why do I want a bunch of money? Why do I want a bunch of followers? And if I'm not grounded in good intention, I'm off base going in dead on arrival. If I'm grounded in good intention. All those things that you just talked about are much easier to handle. Because I'm just, I'm good. I'm not ready for them yet. I wasn't ready to get in the NFL for 27 years. And then I was. And that's why the God force and whoever moved it, put it in place. And I got there. I wonder sometimes if I had gotten there sooner, if I would have had some of the success that I've been lucky enough to have, you know, since I've been there. Um, even working with you, like you said, there's so many gurus run around saying this and that, da, 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 da. Um, I hit you up on Instagram totally cold because I saw you were going to be in Indy and said, can I interview on my, on my podcast? You said, yes. Can you be at the hotel at six in the morning? I said, I'll be there on a Saturday morning. Most people, it's good intention. You had good intentions. I did. I wasn't trying to like 
you know, I thought you're really cool and a really open guy, and you were. And then I went to the wrong freaking hotel, but we, we made it work, <laughs> didn't we? Remember that? Anyway, we <laughs> so, man, if, if people just ground themselves in their intention and just don't, don't worry about all that stuff, um, those no's and all those things that come along, they're just part of the journey. There's something in it for all of it. And if it's not today, it might be tomorrow, or it might be never. Just yeah. let it all be. We just put so much pressure on the shit that, you know. Yeah, I love I love that line. I think you you got to use that more on your speeches. It might be never, right? It we might do be have never. An, we have an energetic and genetic inheritance, and you know, I am you're an NFL referee. Well, when I was, you know, five and ten and fifteen and even twenty, I kept writing down I was going to be an NFL player, and yeah. you know what? It was never. Yeah, in this right. lifetime, never. If, right. I believe in multiple lifetimes, so I've I've yeah. notched up a level <laughs> for my genetic and energetic inheritance next <laughs> life, right? But I, I it was it's not going to happen in this lifetime. I I, yeah. I can tell you, and I and I'm a big thinker, bro. But that's yeah. not going. to – I may change the world and empower people to be happy, uh, but I'm not going to be a pro football player. And you know what? That's part of the journey, right? It that is. that's okay because I will tell you that the closest I've come to my potential is being an average division three football player that that's for my potential, you know, other people's potential. That's embarrassing, right? Warren moon used to make fun of me. Like, don't even tell people you played college football, Dave, it's embarrassing. Right. (laughs) And so, yeah, if I had your potential, uh, Warren moon, I would be embarrassed if I was telling people, yeah, you know, I was a division three football player, but I don't. And I will tell you other people don't have my potential at certain, certain things. And some other people don't have uh, your potential at certain things, but we don't have potential of a Warren Moon at what he does, or uh-huh. maybe a Tony Robbins at what he does, or whoever it may be. Anyway, yeah. B, where can people find you? I want everyone to follow Brian Neal. He's an incredible follow. He speaks, Thank you. writes books, he's a coach, and he's an incredible. Uh, how can, first of all, what do you, do you wear the same number when, when you're refing? I do. It's number 92. 92. 92 so watch yes. the tv look for number 92 you'll yes. know brian neal he'll hopefully be yes. back to the super bowl they let people yes. uh go back to the super bowl don't they, they don't just mix not, it around not back they? to back not back to back you you got to sit out at least one year so this year oh, i know okay. the conference championships good i can get but man all i'm worried about is the uh, kickoff on saturday night for preseason week three <laughs> i can't get far hey, just make sure the no. quarterback puts the ball down you know gives you the ball and doesn't <laughs> put it down we had that True. problem last year uh, we we got that fixed. I think we fixed that, among other things, in the off season. No, uh, first of all, Bri- yeah, Brian Neal on LinkedIn. I'm really really active on LinkedIn. Um, so just go uh, send me a connection request there. Our website is uh, blind-zebra.com. You can see all sorts of coaching programs we had, mostly for salespeople, and all my keynote speaking stuff uh, is available there too. So blind-zebra.com, or go hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Brian Neal on LinkedIn. Love to see everybody. That's awesome. awesome. If you can't make fun of yourself, who can you make fun of? True. Incredible guy, Go Ryan. Nurse is in the house. Thanks, awesome. Brian. I'll see you soon. All right, brother. Catch you later. Awesome. See you, man. Later. I want to thank everybody on Clubhouse for your patience. We uh, had a little technical difficulty as I closed out my uh, Clubhouse, which sucks. But anyway, we got more fun, more family coming on. Uh, I want to give people insight from some of the greats here and uh, enjoying uh, their journeys as well. Uh, this next next guy is an incredible entrepreneur, philanthropist. He is on a mission, uh, and I love his attitude, and I love his podcast. If you haven't checked out the All In podcast, uh, if you don't have an All In attitude, uh, the number one common denominator 
of all the great people that I've been uh, blessed to meet is that they have a desire that they must be what they can be. Uh, they are all in. And this guy comes from nothing. Uh, and now he's had a huge exit. He's a huge entrepreneur, podcaster, and he's really focused in on empowering our uh, youth. And I want to welcome Rick Jordan. What's going on, my brother? What's shaking, my man? It's good to see you again. <laughs> I know. It's, it's so good to see you. Now, we have so many entrepreneurs in here. Uh, so many mindset, hard set, and handset people. Um, you are someone who subscribes to the make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun in your life. Um, give everyone a little bit of background, you know, how you develop the all-in attitude, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, it, it goes back, and we've talked about this a little bit, to my parents and the awesome foundation and relationship that they had, especially my dad before he passed away when I was 16 and how he was always there. I played baseball for nine years. He was at every single game, coached, you know, just always showing up. And that was the, the foundation that was laid for me. And then I, I did go through a period, which we haven't talked about, to where I didn't really feel like a lot of people were showing up in my life. Yeah. At times, even immediately after that, it's like that's not ever the, the camp that I want to fall in. And there's a grind, man, and the ability to ask for help. It's like if I can make it, and I, because of being all in, then that's literally anybody. You know, sure, I've got talents. Sure, I've got abilities that are, that are genetic, that are within me. But so much of that still has to be honed, and so much of it still has to be sought after in order to raise it up about 10 more levels to where you can actually see the results you're looking for. And you just don't freaking quit, man. It's a, no matter how much you get beaten down, no matter how much you, you get told no, you know, well, there might be one no that you might want to listen to. And that would be the one that starts to resonate with you, with you from somebody that you actually respect. But most of the no's that you hear are people that are just in a position to where they cannot see your vision and they cannot see your dream. And that's okay because it's yours. And the dream stops only when the dreamer stops dreaming. Yeah, it, it's so interesting, too, that we have a thermostat. You know, Ed Milet and I talk about this all oh, yeah. the time. And, and when I think about you, I think you told me your dad made, you know, like 40 grand a year. And, That's you it. know, growing up, in, post. <laughs> yeah, growing up in <laughs> Chicago. And how big was your, your last exit? Uh, my last exit is, uh, well, I'm currently in, in present right now. I'm taking the company public, but it's close to $9 million. Yeah, and... There's a, there's a huge shift in our mindset, you know, that, you know, you're surrounded by your dad. He's showing up all the time. Your reality is within the context of $40,000 a year. This is what I am. How were you able to, you know, break through the, the limitation of the thermostat? Uh, you know, and for me, it was a big deal because I always say part of the reason that I had so much self-sabotage and losing over a hundred million dollars was that, you know, I had to reset my thermostat back to that poor kid uh, that grew up in Ohio. And I didn't think I was worthy. I, I couldn't even imagine what I had every day. It was like unreal. I felt unworthy of it because my mom made $17,000 a year. How were you able to break through or work through the thermostat that you obviously had grown up with genetically and energetically? That's an interesting perspective, man, because it is that, because you always bring yourself back to, and the question of, of the, if you look at, at the thermostat, and if I could paraphrase it, because that question of why me, 
still pops up in my head almost every single time something really good happens to me. Yeah. And wow. It, and it's in, in that moment, I have to stop and reflect. And after, you know, I'm 42, after like 20 years of going after everything that I wanted, I finally came up with an answer to that just about two years ago. And the, the short answer, which maybe everybody can grab onto, is just simply because I will. And, and there's so many that, that will just will not because of what, whatever energetic surroundings they have, because of whatever limitations they feel that are really being placed on them from other people. It's typically not your own limits that, you know, limitations are probably something that's inbred in you or pushed upon you from other people. And then you have to accept those and they become yours. I don't think there's a single limitation that's ever been in my head that hasn't been given to me from being an environment that I was in or being around people that I've been around. So that question, why me, pops up every single time. Just because I, I, I don't know, I always go back to that, to that kid who was 10 years old or you know, 11 years old where I was begging my parents for Nike shoes to be cool in school rather than the pro wings they would buy me from Payless because I thought that was it. You know, just like the guys I heard you like standing next to the fake car or the cars that aren't theirs, right? <laughs> the the it, same thing. That, that was in my head at 10 years old, man. It's amazing because, you know, when I talk about why me, I have a why me, try me kind of attitude. You know, instead of being a why me person, be a try me person. But I never thought of the why me side of why me am I so blessed? Um, and part of the reason is, is that, you know, through the work that I did to feel worthy of everything that I had, it created a relationship, a faith relationship that I'm being protected and promoted, not why me victim. And therefore, if I'm protected and promoted, you can try me for anything. And I'm just looking for the light, the love and the lessons. And it really does come down to, you know, one, I expect miracles in my life. Yeah, there's a major paradigm shift. And you do too. Like, I'm around you. And you know, whether we're just sitting in, in the studio yesterday and it was like, oh my gosh, this is Sean Mary, this guy's here. Oh, I'm just expecting it, right? It, it's no yeah, surprise. Okay. I was blessed, you know, J.B. Bernstein came by. Uh, if you guys don't know him, check him out. Uh, but I was sitting there going, this is like a summer camp. I'm sitting in the wind in, in the studio in Vegas and I'm here with like really cool people and have a meetup. It was like summer camp to me, right? And then I get, but I expect it now. And I expect it because of who I am. I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am happy, I am worthy. What am I doing to interfere with it? And then two, I you know, not only expect miracles because of who I am, I will receive them because of who God is. Thank you. And, right? and, and then I will be able to offer them because I'm a part of God. And that's where that empowerment comes in. You know, for you, as a, a la last question, you protect and serve so many people. You know, you have a cybersecurity, you know, expertise, business, the amazing success that you've had in your life. You know, for you, I'm more interested in how you're so good at that last part, offering and sharing what you have without any fear that you're going to lose what you have. I think there's purposes of, uh, th that's an interesting thought too. I think there's purposes that we all find, you know, and I remember sixth grade, in Sunday school, as we're talking about God here, I remember sixth grade in Sunday school. It was the very first time I, I spoke publicly, if you want to call it that. I just piped up and said, hey, can I teach some Sunday when I'm only 10 years old? 
Nice. <laughs> That's so like, cool. Oh, okay. You know, and I taught on Noah's Ark, but, but this is the knowledge part and giving away what I have because I went in there and I started using, like looking at the details, you know, in the, in the scripture and how many cubits wide this ship was for, for Noah's Ark, how many cubits uh, long and then how many cubits tall. You know, I don't remember the numbers, but I remember reading, I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, does anybody actually realize the huge undertaking that this actually was? And it wasn't about, you know, God's grace and the rainbow and anything like that. It was like, this was a massive undertaking that Noah went after and just said, yes, I will. And then he gave everything that he had towards that, didn't care about return because he just knew that that was his purpose. And this is 10 years old, I'm seeing this, you know, to just become a student of everything that's around you. But when I talk, when I teach, you know, I know that if I give out everything that I have in that moment, 10% of people will actually listen because 90% will go away, right? And then 10% of that 10%, so only 1% will actually start to maybe take some action. And then another 10% of that 1% will actually accomplish something similar to what I have. So it's a numbers game. The more that I reach, I know that I can give out as much of myself as possible because I know that it's just a small fraction are actually going to accept and then act on what I say. But if I don't even get up there like I was 10 and say, hey, I got something to say, because I will, coming full circle, because I will, that, that nobody gets reached, nobody else gets blessed, which means I'm holding it all to myself, which is not the reason we're here on this purpose, on this planet, is to hold it all to ourselves. We're here to give out everything we have. And you certainly do. That's why you're all in. And are you all in with what you are on purpose with is a key question, you know, that we have to ask ourselves is not just being all in. Some people are so busy working, Rick, they forget to even make money. They're all in from nine to five. They go the extra mile every once in a while, but they don't live that empty mile all in with what you want, not what's missing, what you don't have or what other people want for you. And if you want to learn about going all in, you got to follow my friend Rick Jordan, check out the All In podcast. Anywhere else you want to drive people to come see you? Brother, that's really the only place right now. I mean, you can always check out my company. I've got a public offering that's out, you know, to that's just reach out technology. But soon you'll start, I'm on global media, you'll start to see me. This is the beauty of it, right? Because all of a sudden, after all these years of doing things, now, as I'm sure you've realized, big media outlets and everything come to me. They're like, hey, can we pay you to be on every single week? This isn't something I would have realized five years ago when I launched my personal brand, like you were talking about. Never would have thought about it in a million years. But now it's like I, they actually think that I have something to say that matters to people or something like that. I don't know. You know? Yeah, well, your insight and expertise is of great value. That's why they pay you to go on the Bloombergs of the world, CNBCs, et cetera. I've seen you around and really appreciate you coming on and giving us your time here today. I'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. Appreciate you, brother. You're amazing. Vice versa. All right. It is the Road to Revenue training. In October, I've been 23 years doing this for free, training people, bringing on people to tell their stories, teach their lessons. Life is about lessons. Uh, one of the greatest lessons I know is about how do we codify lessons, reposit lessons. And uh, the next person I am inviting up uh, is learning about those lessons. And we're going to forget every lesson that we learn. So therefore, we better have a system uh, to codify the lessons that resonate most with us. You don't got to write down every lesson or you don't think 
or believe that you can remember every lesson. I love to simply write down the lessons that resonate with me and then use that as a repository, a database in order to effectuate telling stories to teach those lessons, whether it's in interviews, speeches, trainings, wherever it may be, the better you know the lessons, the more you can teach because you have the stories in order to effectuate that. But as listeners and learners, we just want to write down uh, or codify the lessons that resonate with ourselves. All right, let's bring on uh, an amazing guest here. This is uh, someone who has probably the most momentum uh, of anyone that I've seen on the internet. And uh, <laughs> there she is. Uh, talk about overnight success. Uh, Alicia Covey, thank you for joining me. I can tell you out of all the clients I have, all the people, you know, the most talked about person right now is you. Uh, <laughs> you have, you're, you're like the new sex in the city. It's like, <laughs> uh, you're a woman, uh, equity, empowerment, uh, but uh, to the masses, people just resonate with your frequency. You built a huge neighborhood in a very short amount of time. What do, what do you, you know, there's millions of people that are trying to do what you do and you've leaned into your brand. Um, what do you attribute your, you know, expedited success to? Well, David, first of all, thank you for having me on. Second of all, I just appreciate all the kind words that you have just said, but then also the amazing lessons that you've taught me. I feel like I was kind of banging my head against a wall trying to figure out, you know, who am I? Where can I give the most? I've had a lot of success, you know, business to business, but I felt like there was more for me. And I wanted to reach women and help them see that, you know, we can do anything we put our minds to. And what would I attribute that overnight success to I think there's been a lot of work put in and a lot of effort but the traction hit and where that came from was you you were so willing to give and so willing to share a path and these lessons that you're talking about and so really all I did was listen and implement the ones that resonated with me so you hit the nail on the head right before you know you went into it find the things that resonate with you and follow them and be true to yourself why do you think, you know, we were talking earlier about, you, you're like, Dave, this is easy. You know, why don't more people do it? And I talk about consistent, persistent pursuit. I talk about, you know, preying on apathy, uh, mm -hmm. that people, they, you know, it's like the people that won't take down any of the notes of the lessons that they've learned from you or Brian or, or Rick, but they'll think they can just know it. And they'll go through trainings and masterminds and coaching sessions and spend a, they're willing to make the investment, Alicia, in money, in time to learn it, but there's nothing behind it. And what I find is so special about you is you're the most non-apathetic person I've ever met. Like you're one of those people you get, okay, you'd be a great chef, by the way, because if I gave you a recipe, you would execute on the recipe to perfection. Right, you know, uh, I appreciate that, David. It's you beautiful, and you still would be able to make it your own. When I say perfection, your perfection, not mine. And what I love about a great chef is I can give you the greatest banana bread uh, recipe that I love, but you would be, and you'd take my banana bread and make it not only your own, but you would make it better. Uh, why do you think it is that people, number one, won't even make the banana bread after paying for the recipe and sitting through the cooking class? And yeah. two, 
they're too afraid to make the recipe their own. And so now they just go through the motions. They get so busy working, they don't make any money or whatever else their outcome may be. Yeah, I think that's such an interesting thing that you're bringing up. It's from my perspective, I think that people are scared. It's like, oh man, I got this recipe. And if we stick with that, you know, idea, I got this recipe from David Meltzer. It can't be any better if he already perfected this. Like, who am I to think that I can do better? And it's not, if you can take the better out of your head and realize that I'm not trying to make what David gave me better. I'm trying to make the information that David shared with me and the wisdom and the knowledge applicable to me and then the people who are going to relate to me. So when I learn from you, I have to realize that, okay, I'm, I'm learning from Dave and then I'm going to put the lens of how does this work for Alicia on it? Because as much as I love you and think that you're amazing and I want to apply every lesson that you teach me, you, we are still different. You're a man and I'm a woman. And so I have to be able to take the info and then transition it to how can I make this applicable to me and, and realize that sometimes that's not smooth. Sometimes you have to make the banana bread five, 10, 15 times, but don't worry. It's okay. There's, it's not a failure. That's a, an improvement and a process on the way. And you're looking for excellence, not perfection. And one of the things that we have to realize from our perspective uh, because now, you know, just recently, so many people came to you and want you to coach them, which I love. Yeah. And you were, he you were hesitant. You, you were like me when I started coaching. Like, Dave, I, I really never thought I would do this. And what do you no. think? And, you know, within one day, you have all these clients and you were just saying, yes, yes, yes. But we have to realize, and I want everyone to realize this that's listening, just because not only it works for me, it doesn't mean that that's what you should want. Right, like I do tons of interviews every day. You may not like doing interviews. Yeah. I, I have tons of coaching calls every day. You may not like to do that. And so I think it's really important that it goes both ways that we have to realize when we're teaching lessons that, hey, the, this is the advice if you want to do that. If you wanna have a podcast, and get it to be this size or you want to have a podcast and sell it or whatever your objectives are, or maybe I, you've got to know from our perspective, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, and I you're really good at that too. Like there's certain things you don't want to do that I do. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times, number one, if you trust your coach and you believe that they can see things from a perspective that's been there, done that, then when you hear something that you're just like, oh, I think you really need to dive into that. Are you feeling that way because it makes you nervous and it makes you expand? Or are you feeling that way because that recommendation doesn't light you up? And so with the coaching thing, I think you had mentioned it to me months ago and I was like, Neh, that's not really. And then as I started down the path of the podcast and realizing how I could connect with my tribe because of you, you were so willing in such an open book. Then I realized, oh, this is why he was telling me to prepare for coaching because it gives me another outlet to help and then to also move forward and grow. And so, you know, what is, there is a saying, and I bet you, you know it, it's like, until you're able to teach something, you don't fully comprehend it, right? Yeah. So I think that that's what you were trying to tell me. And I wasn't quite able to connect the dots when you had originally brought it up. But because I trusted you, because you are my coach, I was able to get there. And you were patient with me as I you know, walked through that process. I think it's funny. I tell people all the time, if you can teach something or make it seem simple, you, then you know it. 
right? Yes. When you when when you can make it seem simple. I love simple because that's coinciding. Uh, simple is confirmation that you're coinciding with the universe, that you have less interference resistance. Uh, effortless is proof in the pudding uh, when you're in the flow. And so, you know, these things, uh, real quick, is there, there's a lesson that, I, that I've learned by coaching you, and it, it is about fear, uh, mm -hmm. because we talk about this interference. I call interference, I-N-T-E-R-F-E-A-R-A-N-C-E, -E -E, interference. Um, and I have a new practice, and we haven't even talked about it in too much detail, but it was developed from coaching you. Oh. Um, and part of being a coach is it gives you an opportunity to, to practice, right? Yeah. To, to try to learn. And it's, you know, it's not just if you have a, a coaching practice or a mentoring practice and you don't make a penny from it for your whole life. I promise you exponentially, you'll receive way more than you give in your time. Uh, but here's the lesson that you taught me and I'm developing it. I've always talked about identifying fear, you know, the need to be right, offended, separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, angry, guilty. And when you identify it, spend minutes and moments in it, don't resist it, go over it, under it, throw it around it, fight it, you know, deny it, you know, simply stop. Mm -hmm. remind, remember, and recollect to the great source to determine what is it I want? Who can I help with this? Who can help me with this? And how best can I get it done? And then prioritize it accordingly into your, or reprioritize it according into your activities of the day that's limited by 24 hours. And then you're applying your why. Um, here's what's interesting. I always thought of identifying fear was only useful in the clearing of the interference to be more inspired in spirit, more connected to and through an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that liberates our light and that we can liberate other people's life with. But what makes identification of fear so important, and you taught me this, is that sometimes we identify fear for the utilization in the real pragmatic circumstance. What I mean by this is that you were someone that taught me through your answers and your questions, Dave, everybody's fearful. And so if I can identify fear first, I can utilize that to get up or get started yeah. or get back started or get back up when I get my butt kicked. Yeah. And then I use less fuel with that fear because as I transition from getting up off the ground into getting there in a trajectory of what I think I want, it's the utilization of fear only can exist, by the way, if we can identify fear. And so I wanted to thank you, but also use it as an example that through mentoring, coaching, and teaching, we can increase our own capabilities and our own philosophies and strategies uh, real quick what's one of the lessons that you've learned? Now you're a new coach, but what's one of the lessons that you've learned from mentoring, not being mentored? From mentoring. I think that it's really realizing that you have so much to give and 
just stepping back to be thankful for that. You, you, I don't know how most people are, but I discount a lot of what I do. I'm like, oh, well, that was easy. Because once you get through it, uh, growing that company 5,000%, that was easy. No, it wasn't. <laughs> but you forget everything you've accomplished. And so taking those few moments to be grateful to the universe for all the lessons that you've learned and just allowing those lessons to come back to you. And, oh, this is how I got there. This is how I did that. And really one of my favorite lessons that I've learned and I now share with others is look for the light, the love and the lesson in every single thing, because it's always there. And if you'll do that, it just makes you such a happier person and your ability to stay connected to your source, God, you know, the universe, whatever you want to call it so much easier and clearer. And then the second is just getting out of your own way. Every day I wake up and I'm like, okay, God, please just help me step out of my own way because I'm watching things happen that I can't control. I can only do the things that I'm being led to do and that's all I'm being asked to do. And so if I do those to my best ability, then the rest of it is up to God, the universe. I'm like, I'm, it's in your hands now. So just remember. Exactly. But you gotta do the work. You gotta have the law yeah. of gravity, like you said, to appreciate, not take for granted of where we are at the right place at the perfect time, but you need the law of Goya. And to me, you are definitely a girl of Goya get off your ass. This girl gets off her ass and makes it happen. And then she gets out of her own way by identifying and utilizing fear in the appropriate manner in a trajectory of what she wants, not what other people want or telling, laughing, scoffing or making fun, but simply what she wants and accelerating in that direction every day by learning these lessons. You are a great learner, a great intelligent follower, which makes you a great leader. You got to check out Alicia Covey. Where can people find you, Alicia? Uh, you know, the best place is on Instagram, just Alicia Covey. And then, of course, they can go to my website, too, if they're interested, aliciacovey.com. Super easy. And it's Alicia with an E. <laughs> Alicia with the E. Thank you so much. You have uh, entertained us and enlightened us with ease as well. We appreciate yeah. you. We'll see you soon. Thank you, David. You, too. Have a fabulous day. Bye. All right. All right. I went a little bit of overtime. I usually like to have 30 minutes of Q&A. But uh, I just had such great guests. I want to thank Brian Neal, Alicia Covey, and, of course, the great Rick Jordan. Check all of them out.